Welcome to Tactical Faith Radio. This is Matt Burford. And again, I say it's my pleasure to bring on a good friend of mine, Christian Padilla. And say the last name for me again. Padilla. Padilla. That's it. I just absolutely brutalized it, but that's fine. I'm going to keep it. I'm not going to edit it because this is in the raw. And uh, <laughs> at least my part's in the raw. Christian, uh, thank you so much for coming on. You have done uh, fantastic work uh, in a book called Now That I'm Called a God. Um, for women discerning a call to ministry. But before we get into that book, tell us a little bit of what you do. You're, of course, you're at Beeson Divinity School. Uh, tell us about your relationship. You have, you're have you in a marriage with another intellectual like you. Tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are and, and those kind of things. Yeah, so thanks for having me on the show. I work at Beeson Divinity School uh, overseeing marketing and communications here. My husband is a New Testament professor. His office is right down the hall from mine, so we share the same workspace, and it hasn't uh, been a bad thing at all. We've really enjoyed working together. As you said, we, or may have said, that we met each other at Beeson. I am a graduate of Beeson Divinity School in 2008 with my Master of Divinity degree. And I'm still on this journey of discernment and um, following God and figuring out what all of this looks like and means for me. So why did, why this book? Why now? Um, um, you published it a couple of years ago. Um, I'm just, you know, I've, I've gotten to it and I started reading it not too long ago. Uh, tell us a little bit of why you began the process of thinking about uh, this book and its mission and what are you trying to do with the book? Sure. I'll start with a little bit of background. I grew up Southern Baptist. My dad's a pastor. I came to know the Lord at a very young age and also felt a call to serve the Lord. And, and my only role model really was my dad. He was in ministry, of course. Uh, first church, he was the only staff member. Uh, second church, he was one of two. So at some point I had a crisis, for lack of a better word, a crisis between what I felt God was calling me to do, uh, wanting to serve him, uh, wanting to serve the church and, and to proclaim his word. Uh, but the crisis was that I didn't see any women in full-time ministry. Uh, the spaces in which I, I lived were uh, men um, were in ministry. They were the traveling evangelists. They were the pastors. They were the music ministers. They were the youth ministers. So I did not have a female role model. The only two women that I knew of growing up and who had done some sort of ministry, and if you're Southern Baptist, you know who I'm about to say, but Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong, who we recognized uh, once a year for each uh, at, a, at a time when we gave an offering. But these two women uh, were dead, and they had been missionaries. And at that time, when I was growing up, missionary, the term missionary missions felt very foreign. Uh, to me. So uh, I, it wasn't something that I felt necessarily a call toward. Uh, so there was that crisis of, I feel called by God, but I don't see what this would look like in my context. I did go to Washtenaw Baptist University, pursuing a Christian studies degree, following the Lord, not knowing what it would look like. And then after Washtenaw came to Beeson Divinity School, because I had a strong sense that I needed theological education 
the same reason that men needed theological education to prepare me for the call, even though I still did not know what it would look like. When I was a seminary student and I was praying and discerning, God, what it is that God, what is it that you have for me to do? The only, uh, I would say the only thing that came to mind in my prayers, uh, that just kept coming up over and over were other women called to ministry, which was very strange for me. And I didn't know what to do with it, especially as a seminary student, because I had not been in full-time ministry, but uh, God used that to, uh, to develop a, a passion and also to open my eyes to the needs around me. And so for the next 10 years, so I graduated in 2008, the book came out in 2018. I uh, had conversations with a lot of women who felt called to ministry. They had similar stories. Uh, they didn't, they felt called by God, but didn't have a clear path for them into ministry. At the same time, I saw a problem, what I call a problem in the church. And that was that there was no theology for women in ministry and because of that, I felt like there was a lack of space for women to serve full-time in a vocational role. Uh, so in that time from graduation until the time that the book came out, uh, it became clear that this was something that God wanted me to write out of two beliefs, really. The first belief being that God calls women to full-time ministry and that the church needs women who are theologically trained called by God in ministry for the sake of the church for the sake of the gospel going forth so I was very intentional in the book not to get into the question of roles I wanted my book to be a book for women and churches in various denominations having been trained at a place like Beeson Divinity School which is interdenominational um, I tell my readers that they um, can work out their call within their denominational context, but whether a woman or a church is complementarian or egalitarian, I felt like uh, what I wanted to offer to them was a biblical grounding, a biblical basis for why God is calling women to serve him and why the church needs women in ministry. So that's it. so interesting. So, you know, this is a hotbed topic for a lot of denominations uh, and it's, it's right with a bunch of minefields and that's because we really haven't defined our terms and what you're helping us do is think about and talk. And I appreciate the fact that you want to begin this conversation. Actually, the Southern Baptists have a good history of, like you said, of women being in service in ministry. Um, even, even the WMU is something that, that has been established for women. But this idea of calling, this defining the calling uh, is something that I would love to see the church start thinking through and thinking about. Uh, so define calling for me, because I see in the chapters of your book, um, you, you, at least the first four chapters, you have the calling of, in the Old Testament, New Testament, the calling of women, the calling of women in the New Testament. Um, do you define calling in the book and, and how would you define calling? Right. So I talk about a calling as uh, coming from God outside of ourselves. And actually, I've noticed a debate around calling within Christian circles. So there are some in, in the evangelical tradition who are rejecting an idea of calling. And 
perhaps that is because they rightfully see that as Christians, we're all called by God to serve him. Uh, perhaps some have rejected it because they feel like if I say I'm called by God for a vocational role, that that's, that that's more important, that I'm special in some, in some sense of, of being called by God to this role. Uh, and then there are others who, who want to say, this is exactly how it looks to be called by God. <laughs> you have to hear God in this certain way. So I, 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 so I went to scripture and what I see in scripture is that God uses many different means to call people to serve him. But this idea of serving God, um, serving on God's behalf for the people of God, delivering the word of God, that is a hard calling and not something that people wanted to do. You look at the prophets, look at Moses, like, no, choose someone else because it is a hard calling. And, uh, but, but God is not leaving his, uh, mission, his, his people up to chance to whoever aspires to it or feels like, oh, this would be good for me. Rather, the way I see God at work is that he is calling some individuals to be leaders, uh, to, to lead the people. Uh, to minister to the people his word. I find that God's word is central to the kind of calling that I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And so I have a somewhat loose definition of calling in, in my book, uh, A Call to Vocational Ministry, and that is called by God uh, to serve on behalf of God for the people of God, delivering the word of God. And uh, there are many ways in which one discerns a call, but I, I believe... For, for most of us today, the best place to discern a call is in the context of the church mm. with God's people uh, who can see, who can sometimes better see what God is doing through our lives and how he's gifting us uh, and how he's speaking through the family of God to say, you know, I see Matt or I see Kristen, that God has really gifted you in this way. And uh, I, I see that he's working in your life in this way. So I think in the context of the church, through prayer, through, through God's word, these are all important ways to discern a call. What's interesting and what I want to kind of push back against for some in the evangelical church, he want to reject any notion of God calling people to a, a vocational leadership role important to discern God's call. Because when you're in ministry, it is going to be hard. It is going to be really hard and there's going to be a lot of opposition, a lot of messiness. And if you, <laughs> the only thing that's going to keep you there in the muck and mire is this sense of God's called me to this and to walk away would be to disobey God. Uh, so that's how I loosely talk, uh, define calling. Uh, but I do believe it's, it's important and I see it over and over in scripture of, of people doing this task because God has called them to do it. I'm just going back because of my own Baptist tradition and yours as well. And I know a lot of the audience that listens to mine is probably in that world. This idea of you saying you felt like you wanted to do more, uh, but the only mentors that the only kind of uh, heroes that you had were two, I mean, huge women in the Baptist world, but then it was like full stop. I mean, yeah. there's never been, and I'm not saying this doesn't happen, but in the world that I lived in, there was never any, discussion and stories about you know we kind of during you know Easter and December we 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 threw the names out there but when I've never until now have thought about 
why wasn't I thinking about them in ministry? Mm-hmm. Uh, when apparently I have a tradition that holds them up of being in ministry, why in the world are we not thinking like this, Kristen? Why aren't we having this dialogue? And maybe we are. Uh, I know in my tradition, maybe there's, there's because it's such a, a minefield of issues when it comes to sexes and their roles in the church. But man, if, if we don't think about these things, <laughs> then we can't move forward and give people opportunities uh, when they have the skill sets to serve the Lord. So, yeah. I mean, how do we, how do we get past those fears of uh, in order to have good biblical dialogue about roles in our church? Yeah, that's a good question and a big one. <laughs> so sure. I'll, I'll try to address it in, in the best way I know how. I, I think that part, part of this stems from, if we just look at even in the United States, let's say, of our history, uh, both at large, but in the church specifically. So I would, I would say that for the most part, ministry, especially church ministry, has been uh, primarily a, man, a male vocation um, for, for many reasons. And then when the feminist movement and the various waves of feminism came along and uh, some of those questions were bought, uh, brought to bear in the church. The church, in some ways, reacted to it, um, maybe reacted without going back and thinking through it more methodically, theologically, biblically. Mm-hmm. Like, what do, how should we view women? Um, but a lot of, you know, what I've seen is a lot of re- reactions, uh, re- reacting to the other side, as you would, as you would, um, and then having the stereotypes of other sides, and then we get caught in this kind of going back and forth. Uh, also, probably because we things have been done a certain way, and <laughs> they worked. They worked for our grandparents, and they work for us. And maybe there's no reason to question it. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I think that there there's a lot of layers to why we perhaps haven't thought through uh, the. A, a positive view of women in ministry and then purposely and intentionally uh, uh, thinking of women throughout church history, uh, not both in scripture, but then in church history. And then even I would say in modern day time, looking at the various women who God has used in mighty ways uh, to bring revivals, to uh, take his word to places where they had not heard the gospel so I, it takes a bit of intentionality, and sometimes that intentionality comes because we start having daughters that mm. God is calling. Sometimes it's because women in the church have come and started asking questions. Uh, but I think it's really important, especially as we read scripture, because uh, I can't get away from how God has used women. I, I've been reading through the Old Testament through First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles. Uh, it's interesting how how many times uh, God has used a quote unquote wise woman uh, to uh, to admonish the various leaders, whether it's Joab uh, or David through the mouth of Abigail. Uh, God is has used and using women throughout church history. So I think part of this is just having intentionality and the eyes to see 
how God has and is using women in ministry. That's so good. My dad actually, who's uh, goes to a church in, in Anniston asked me this question yesterday comes from a first bat. He's at first Baptist in, in Saks, Alabama. And me and my dad have, we have, we like to talk to each other in dialogue about theological issues. And my dad says, Hey, do you ever thought about Anna being the first evangelist uh, in Luke? Mm. And I said, uh, Hey, that's interesting. He goes, well, she's the first really one to to declare who Jesus was in the temple. And uh, so, so what do you think that means? And I said, well, I think that's a great discussion to have. You know, yeah. I mean, listen, I go to Hunter Street, pretty conservative. Or, you know, they're a reformed church. Well, they wouldn't say that, but they're, they're, they're a big orthodox, traditional Baptist church in its own way. But in the small group that I help to lead, I mean, not only is my wife a physician, but we have another woman that's a physician. We have another woman that's a chemist, a woman that is an avid reader, even though she's a stay-at-home mom. She is as smart as they, as they get. I mean, I have some very accomplished men and women. And if I, if, I, if I am working out of some default position where only men can interact with the word and bring something to bear, I miss a whole section of my group. Uh, yeah. And 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 they're not overtly vocal, uh, but I have one or two that that interject. And when they do, and I don't know why they're not vocal, but when they do, um, it's amazing. My wife can bring things to the group when she interacts with the text and has questions about the text in ways that I would never see it, right? Because right. she comes from her own experiences and sex is just one of them. Being a female is just one of those many things uh, that she brings to bear when she reads scripture. Um, Mm -hmm. But I don't function that way. You know, I mean, I do know that there's, I do have my own opinions on church leadership. I have, which I think I see from scripture, Um, but that's a whole different conversation. And you're, you're making me realize that that's a whole different conversation than calling. It's a part of the conversation, but it's not the whole conversation. Right. You know, when you look at scripture with what you just said, with these kind of eyes, you start realizing God's people is God's people. And that's right. men and women. So to not to to have this dialogue of how we're all after the, on this side of the cross, a part of Jesus's ministry of being his ambassadors is something that we should all have. And, and listen, so another question, and I mean, we could talk about this forever, but another question is okay you have somebody who's now thinking about their calling uh in a certain denomination uh and they've thought about their spiritual gifts and what they can give to the body uh now here's an interesting question because you work at a theological institution do women necessarily need a and when i mean women i'm not just talking about uh let's think of it two ways not just a woman who wants to go into professional ministry and get a get a paycheck what about just somebody like my wife who decides, you know what, Matt, I'd like to go get deeper theological education. Mm. So uh, how, how would you answer that question? Yeah, that's a great question. So I would, I, let me start with someone like your wife. We do have a degree program, a Master of Arts in Theological Studies, that is designed more for uh, men and women who aren't, aren't going to be perhaps on a church staff or in some kind of full-time vocational ministry role, but they want to go deeper in their faith. They're lay leaders in the church. 
Uh, so that's a really good degree uh, for both men and women to seek after if, if they fall into that category. And then we also have lay academy classes that uh, are not, uh, you don't get a degree from it, but it's a, it's a way to go deeper in your knowledge of scripture. Uh, I would say whether you are called to full-time vocational ministry or someone like uh, just, for example, your wife who is a doctor but wants to go deeper in her faith, I would say this is so important because we are all made in God's image. And not only that, but as Christians, we share this same identity of Jesus in being in Jesus Christ, right? We're a new humanity, Colossian, Colossians, when Paul talks about we are hidden with Christ, Christ who is our life. And how do we know who this God is? How do we know who this Jesus is? We know him through his word. And so to go deeper in his word is to, is to go deeper into, who, into our identity um, as, as followers of Jesus Christ, as children of Jesus Christ. And so I would say, I would not want to deny that to anyone, right? Um, but for those men and women who are going to be in full-time vocational ministry, and I think of this as someone who is going to provide soul care and is who, and who is going to teach God's word in some capacity. And so I think it's very important for children's ministers, youth ministers, singles ministers, discipleship ministers, women's ministers, you name it, someone who is teaching God's word and who is providing soul care to be theologically trained and equipped for the task. You know, when I talk to men and ask them, you know, why is it that you need theological education or why are you here? They'll give answers like, because uh, I'm going to be handling God's word and I have a responsibility to handle it rightly. Um, and because of the call that God has given me, it's a high calling and I need theological training. Well, I would say those are the same reasons that women need theological education. Mm -hmm. What is surprising to me, Matt, is uh, so often I will see churches, and this is generally speaking, but I will see churches hire a man on the ministerial staff with theological training, but they won't hire a woman with theological training. Why this surprises, surprises me is because they're, in my opinion, they're likely to undermine their own ministry by not having a minister who is theologically trained. Because someone who is, now, you can get someone who goes through seminary and they still can go off, off tracks. Um, but there's a responsibility, I think, that whoever you're putting in charge of any sector of your people, your sheep that you're called to shepherd, that you want to give them the same quality of a minister, of an of a, of a under-shepherd, so to speak. Um, so you want to give children and women the same quality of an under-shepherd as you would your men um, or, or someone who is doing a music ministry or senior, a senior adult ministry. Because, and here's something that I've seen happen in a lot of churches where this is not the case, is that uh, false teaching ends up coming through that door, um, through the door of someone without the proper theological training. And then that undermines the ministry that the pastor, the senior pastor is trying to do. So I, you know, I, I would encourage uh, pastors and deacons and elders and leaders of the church to uh, equally prioritize theological education 
for both male and female ministers um, because, and I will say this one last word about it, um, because I think who we put in charge of our people says a lot about the value and the way we see those people. So a few years ago, I realized that I saw women as being less valuable in some respect. Uh, and and, and I, let me be even more specific. Uh, this had to do with someone asking me, you know, do you want to be a women's minister? And I was like, well, I don't want to just be a women's minister. <laughs> and I realized I was saying just a women's minister because nonverbally I had been uh, taught that women were of less value because all of the ministers given to women at the churches growing up, all the women Bible studies, all the women that we invited to uh, lead our conferences, they didn't have theological training. So it was kind of telling me something about what the church thought about women. And it, it impacted my own view of my own calling. So that's a long answer, but I, I do believe that uh, getting prepared uh, and trained for this high calling of handling God's word rightly is important for both men and women. Yeah. And I, listen, this is, this is coming from a, a guy whose wife is smarter and, uh, you know, has probably obtained more professional success than, than I ever will. I mean, when I met my wife, um, she held multiple scholarships at the university where we were at, and she challenges me on a daily basis um, through dialogue and reason, but, but she's the most humbled servant you could also interact mm -hmm. with, right? So that's my relationship by, by understanding and God through wisdom has allowed me and her to understand each other's complementary roles with each other. Um, and, and I use that word in the way of, of saying we understand and we're growing to understand what she brings to the table and what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And by being open on both sides, I think it's made our, our home. Now we're not without problems, but it's at least made me over the years understand, wow. I mean, w imagine what this would have been like in, in Eden <laughs> <You know? laughs> when it's, when it's, when both people are valued and they're walking with the Lord, how powerful of, of stewardship would have come from that union. And yeah. those to that dialogue and that relationship is with all of us in community of a, of a Bible believing Jesus, uh, God fearing Jesus loving community church. And if mm -hmm. we were able to be like that, um, in terms of understanding our roles and where we are in the body and our, all of our skill sets and then show humility amongst the sexes, God, what in the world could we do outside of God's church as ambassadors for him? And you're doing that and you're bringing that to bear. And I would also say, cause I'm biased, that Lay Academy for Beeson is something that anybody can go to and it's low cost and you're getting almost, you're getting the same kind of benefits that a student does. And it's done, you know, after work and or sometimes in the afternoon. So if you're in, if you're in Birmingham and you're looking for, or outside of Birmingham and can make it to Birmingham, that's a really key resource. Hey, thank you so much, Kristen. I'd love to have you back on. There's more to be said about yeah. this particular topic. I, listen, I know your heart, you know, I wish, I, I, I'm hoping that more people get to uh, get to know you in the future by, you know, being, uh, getting your book and reading your book and thinking about the things that you're bringing up. Uh, and uh, thank you so much for coming on and blessings on your ministry. Thanks for having me, Matt. It was fun.